Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Suddenly fire burst from the mental tarma, and there came a mighty wind, and a tumult of the earth, and the sky reeled, and the hills slid, and Numenor went down into the sea, with all its children, and its wives, and its maidens, and its ladies proud, and all its gardens, and its balls, and its towers, its tombs, and its riches, and its jewels, and its webs, and its things painted and carven, and its lore. They vanished forever. And last of all, the mounting wave, green and cold and plumbed with foam, climbed over the land, took to its bosom Tar Muriel, the queen fairer than silver or ivory or pearls. Too late she strove to ascend the steep ways of the mental tarma to the holy place, for the waters overtook her, and her cry was lost in the roaring of the wind. Last week, we discussed what happened to our Farazan 
when his pride overtook him and he decided to attack the Valar. And of course, we know that Numenor is doomed, that it is going to be destroyed, sent under the sea. But what happens to some of these other characters? Tarmiriel here is in the midst of everything when the island is destroyed and she doesn't make it. But what about some of the characters we care about? We know that the majority of the faithful had already left the island, so they were relatively safe. But what about Elendil, Isildur, these other characters that we care about? Where are they when this happens? And what about Sauron? What happens to Sauron when the island is destroyed? Well, let's find out. At the end of this section of the book, we are given updates on some of these other characters. And it starts with Amundil. We thought maybe we had heard the last of him, and we have, but we're reminded about him one more time because the text says, but whether or no it were that Amundil came indeed to Valinor and Manwe hearkened to his prayer, by grace of the Valar, Elendil and his sons and their people were spared from the ruin of that day. We're reminded that it was Amundil who helped these people keep to the faith. And because of it, they were spared. We still aren't told exactly what happens to Amundil, but we know that these good people avoided the wrath of the Valar. And then we're given more detail about each of these. It says here, For Elendil had remained in Romena, refusing the summons of the king when he set forth to war, and avoiding the soldiers of Sauron that came to seize him and drag him to the fires of the temple. He went aboard his ship and stood off from the shore, waiting on the time. This is interesting because, again, we're given a very brief sentence about what happened here, but I can imagine this playing out in much more specific detail. He heads away from the capital in order to stay away from the king and Sauron. He finds out that they're going to war. He avoids the summons, which of course is suspicious, and soldiers are sent after him specifically by Sauron to drag him back and then sacrifice him at the temple. Elendil, son of Amundil. This isn't just some random farmer who decided not to pick up his pitchfork and march to war. This is a nobleman. This is somebody from the royal line who at this point, Sauron has the authority to just throw into the fire to sacrifice. And he's smart. He avoids it. He gets on his ship with his men and he stays out at sea. But you have to remember, the assault on the island comes from multiple directions. The eruption of a volcano, the sea itself, 
acts as if it's angry. It sends waves over the sides of the island. And there's different ways to parse this. Is it because the island was already sinking and kind of heaving and breaking apart, and so the waves naturally filled the gap? Or was it Ulmo attacking the island with the sea itself in order to wear it down and drown it under the ocean? I think maybe it was the second. It says here, There he was protected by the land from the great drought of the sea that drew all towards the abyss. And afterwards, he was sheltered from the first fury of the storm. There's something going on here that is keeping him safe even out at sea. And then it goes on. But when the devouring wave rolled over the land, that sounds like an intentional wave, not just waves that are happening to fill the gap of the island as it goes down. And Numenor toppled to its fall. Then he would have been overwhelmed and would have deemed it the lesser grief to perish, for no wrench of death could be more bitter than the loss and agony of that day. But the great wind took him, Manway, wilder than any wind that men had known, roaring from the west, and it swept his ships far away. So we have a situation here where when the great wave was coming to finish off the island, at least that's the sense I have of this, Manway sends winds more powerful than anything they've ever seen and pushes his ship and the ships of his sons and their fellow soldiers out of the way from the west, which means they're headed now to the east. He sends them to Middle-earth and they're not unscathed. Their masts break Their sails are torn. The ships are destroyed in the midst of this. But the people are safe. And we're given such good details about the destruction here. And a little bit more detail about the ships and who was in which one and that kind of thing. There were nine ships total. Elendil had four of them. Isildur, three. Anarion, two. And of course, they fled before this black gale out of the twilight of doom into the darkness of the world. These words are so captivating. And then it goes on, and I'm going to quote a lot on this episode because the text here is so juicy. (laughs) It's so good. And the deeps rose beneath them in towering anger and waves like unto mountains moving with great caps of riven snow bore them up amid the wreckage of the clouds. And after many days cast them away upon the shores of Middle Earth. So the wind and the waves now have cooperated in order to move them out of the destruction into Middle Earth. And all the coasts and seaward regions of the Western world suffered great change and ruin in that time. For the seas invaded the lands and shores foundered and ancient isles were drowned and new isles were uplifted and hills crumbled and rivers were turned into strange courses. And then we're given this glimpse of what happens after this. We're told the little bit of story here about what happens with Elendil and his sons. Elendil and his sons founded kingdoms in Middle-earth. And though their lore and craft was but an echo of that which had been 
Ere Sauron came to Numenor, yet very great it seemed to the wild men of the world. We're getting glimpses of here of what's to come with the founding of Gondor and Arnor, and little hints about how the story isn't quite yet done. Because their strife with Sauron, and this is the quote, not yet was ended. So that brings us to Sauron. What happens when you are a powerful Maya on an island that is being ravaged and destroyed by the Valar. And notice some similarities and differences from the last time this happened. The first time this happens, the Valar actually go to war and they go to bring Morgoth to justice, to bind him and kick him out into the void. And they have to actually go into Beleriand themselves in order to accomplish this. And they do so with a host of elves from Valinor. In this situation, they simply use their power to destroy the island from a distance. The land erupts. The waves cascade over the island. The wind breaks and tears down everything. They don't have to go there themselves. And so the result is different because they don't show up themselves and take Sauron into custody. He's still on the island, suffering everything that would befall him. And this is one of the places where his plan doesn't work out the way he expected. At this point, he's done such a good job convincing our Farazhan to attack the Valar. And we've discussed this in previous episodes, how this is beneficial to him either way. No matter what our Farazhan does here, Sauron will benefit. The corruption works to his advantage. But now, it kind of comes back and hits him in a way that he didn't expect. It says here in the text, For Sauron himself was filled with great fear at the wrath of the Valar, and the doom that Eru laid upon land and sea. That also gives us a hint here that this happening wasn't just the determination of Manwe. This was Eru acting again on his creation through the Valar. It was greater far than aught he had looked for, hoping only for the death of the Numenorians and the defeat of their proud king. This response was on a scale that he did not predict. And Sauron, sitting in his black seat in the midst of the temple, had laughed when he heard the trumpets of Arpharazon sounding for battle. And again he had laughed when he heard the thunder of the storm. And a third time, even as he laughed at his own thought, thinking what he would do now in the world, being rid of the Adain, and I keep mispronouncing that word, so I apologize. I think it's Adain forever. He was taken in the midst of his mirth, and his seat and his temple fell into the abyss. But Sauron was not of mortal flesh, and though he was robbed now of that shape in which he had wrought so great an evil, so that he could never again appear fair to the eyes of men. Now let's unpack some of this, because this is dense stuff. He laughs three different times. 
This is a reflection of what happened in the creation story where Morgoth attempts three different times to change the melody and every time Eru alters it to compensate and it becomes more beautiful and more powerful because of that. Sauron laughs three times and then falls into the abyss is robbed of his physical form and is cursed in a way, or at least robbed of the power. Let's say it that way to return to that form and appear fair to the eyes of men ever again. But we know that this isn't the end of Sauron. Sauron clearly survives this in some way. So how does he do it? It explains it right in the next part of the sentence, actually. Yet his spirit arose out of the deep and passed as a shadow and a black wind over the sea. We're given this kind of description of what happens to Sauron and how he survives a few times. There's this situation here where he is thrown into the sea, the abyss, and loses his physical form. He's damaged in that very specific way. But he, as a shadow or a black wind, his spirit is described in that kind of form, and it makes its way back to Middle-earth. We're given this description as well when he is beaten by the Last Alliance and the ring is cut from his finger. It's a very similar kind of thing. In this situation, it doesn't take him as long to reform. It's as if he's simply lost his physical form and needs to rally in some way. When the ring is cut from his finger, he is dealt a much more serious loss. And it takes him hundreds, thousands of years to regather his power, basically. So where does his spirit go? It heads back to Mordor. And we're told what he does when he gets there. There, he took up again his great ring in Barad-dûr and dwelt there dark and silent until he wrought himself a new guise. Notice wrought himself as if created or made, not necessarily grew. An image of malice and hatred made visible. And the eye of Sauron the terrible few could endure. This language of the eye of Sauron gets repeated multiple times. It's what Peter Jackson and crew latched onto in order to create something visible, a visible appearance of Sauron throughout the movies with the eye on the top of the tower. It's never described exactly like that in the books, but it gives us a sense of, you know, malice and evil made visible, that kind of thing. And although he's knocked down a peg, he quickly rebounds. He goes back to the old tried and true methods, build an army of orcs conquer everybody with swords and bloodshed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of works, cordless power tools, and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our new patrons for joining us. Christina T, welcome to the Patreon. Also, AJM, welcome. And I hope I didn't miss anybody. I've been, my schedule's been weird lately. I've kind of been doing these at different times than I normally do. If I miss a shout out, please let me know. Just send me a message. Be like, hey, you forgot to mention me. Uh, I'll mention you. Don't worry. Uh, then we've got some uh, uh, VIP patrons to, to list. A whole bunch of you in the VIP patron section. Let's go down the list as fast as I can. AK Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker, Austin C, Azel Razzle, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks. <laughs> Man, different words are hard to say sometimes. David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gavin Alaf, Gemma D, Jesse P, Katie S, Capenna, Larry, Nick K, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Rivqua, Sam B, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Tour Son of Hoor, Tyler M, Wes P, Who Let the Juan Out. Thank you so much to all of you. And if you are curious why all of these people are signing up on the Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R, Lorecast, the letters L-O-T-R with Lorecast after that. And check out all the different things you can get, like ad-free episodes and t-shirts and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports the show. Also, we got some new reviews that came in in the last week. This one is from Maddie Brown, 88M in the United States, who writes, May Govanen, uh, the most knowledgeable hands down. Thank you for the content. I'm currently binging all episodes. Definitely worth a listen. Well, thanks, Maddie. Uh, and then we also have one from Up Mama HBO, who writes, Tom the Merry Fellow. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting connected with uh, Bombadil again. Uh, Tom, aka Robots, does an amazing job at describing the events that happen in the Silmarillion and has the voice to brighten up your day no matter what. He reminds me of that certain English history teacher that everyone has that you cannot wait to spend an hour in their class and it always feels too short. Much like these episodes, haha. We also hit COVID the same time as you, but luckily I was not caught up, so I had some pleasant podcast binging to keep me company. After he hearing all the other reviews, it is on my bucket list to read my daughter the books when she is old enough thanks everyone that's amazing potatoes vip has sick clothes this review got rose melkor blows shellab uh eats orc toes this rhyme just flows obviously not the way i'm reading it sign up today play as jordan rhymes oh jordan thank you so much for that that's awesome all right, that's going to do it for the reviews. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, of course, I will read that out in the future. Plus, you can rate the show on Spotify. You can leave little comments about the episodes. You can do all sorts of stuff to help 
this show get out there for people to realize, hey, this is worth listening to. Check it out. Uh, I couldn't do it without all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. All right. Let's move on with the rest of the show. So with all this destruction and a group of people who are now removed from their homes, there must be some sort of cultural fallout from this, right? I mean, people are probably wondering what actually happened to the island. Is it still there at all? What is going on? And we're given a description here about how people respond to this. It says in the text, among the exiles, many believed that the summit of Meneltarma, the pillar of heaven, was not drowned forever, but arose again above the waves, a lonely island lost in the great waters, for it had been a hallowed place, and even in the days of Sauron, none had defiled it. And some there were of the seed of Erendil that afterwards sought for it, because it was said among lore masters that the far-sighted men of old could see from the Meneltarma a glimmer of the deathless land. For even after the ruin of the hearts of the Dunedain were still set westward, and though they knew indeed that the world was changed, they said, Avalon is vanished from the earth, and the land of Amman is taken away, and in the world of this present darkness they cannot be found. Yet once they were, and therefore they still are, in true being and in the whole shape of the world, as at first it was devised. Basically, they're talking about the idea that this catastrophe changed the world in a fundamental way. First of all, maybe there's still a little island out there somewhere, the remnants of Numenor. And sadly, there isn't, but they look for it. They try to find it, any glimpse of their old homeland. And then thought moves on to the land of Amman, to the place where Valinor was, or is, or maybe still is, or isn't anymore. What happened with that? And so they seek it out. They send ships back to the West. They're wondering what happened to their world. Quote, thus it was that great mariners among them, the Dunedain, would still search the empty seas, hoping to come upon the Isle of Meneltarma and there to see a vision of things that were, because they're trying to peer off into the west. But they found it not. And those that sailed far came only to the new lands, and found them like the old lands, and subject to death. And those that sailed furthest set but a girdle about the earth, and returned weary at last to the place of their beginning and they said, all roads are now bent. Their explorers set out to the west, and for the first time in recorded history, ended up coming back around from the east. And this is the first place that I notice in the text that the word earth is used without a middle in front of it. The world is no longer middle earth. It is just earth. It is round. It is a globe. The world has been fundamentally changed. 
But this brings questions. Because you could physically get to the land of the Valar by traveling west. It was part of the world before. But now when they head west, there's no boundary. There's no series of islands that get in their way. There's no fog that makes it difficult to navigate through to the continent where the Valar lived. There's no way to get there, whether that be difficult or easy to do. There's no way to get there. They can't find the path. So they start trying to figure this out. It says here, therefore, the lore masters of men said that a straight road must still be for those that were permitted to find it. And they taught that while the new world fell away, the old road and the path of the memory of the West still went on as it were a mighty bridge invisible that passed through the air of breath and of flight, which were bent now as the world was bent and traversed Ilmen, which flesh unaided cannot endure until it came to Tol Aresia, the lonely island, and maybe even beyond to Valinor, where the Valar still dwell and watched the unfolding of the story of the world. There's a hidden path that leads now up into the sky, off of the earth, to a land where the Valar still live and still watch. A bridge to heaven, in a sense. And this last part is particularly interesting. It says, And tales and rumors arose along the shores of the sea concerning mariners and men forlorn upon the water who, by some fate or grace or favor of the Valar, had entered in upon the straight way and seen the face of the world sink below them, and so had come to the lamplit quays of Avalon, or verily to the last beaches on the margin of Amman, and there had looked upon the white mountain, dreadful and beautiful, before they died. This final mysterious paragraph is curious. Are these sailors who happened to find their way onto this straight path, strayed off of earth into the heavens? Or are these stories about what happens to sailors when they die? When they pass on from this world and they get a glimpse of this other realm before leaving the world completely. Maybe it's both. What do you think? Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.